Stay strong. Turn to your neighbor and say, stay strong. That's right. Stay strong. I'm not talking about making America strong. I'm talking about stay strong. Everything that I say has to do with a scriptural and a scriptural principle. And uh, I noticed that our missionary to India, uh, Dr. Ken Belvin is with us tonight. Ken, God bless you. Thanks for being here. And uh, give him a great big welcome. We have so, so many missionaries. I don't know, many times they drift in, never tell us they're here. But Ken has such a handsome face. It looks so much like his mother that uh, I recognize him back there. Paul's talking to Timothy, dealing uh, with issues in his life. Timothy uh, is a perfect individual. Paul considered him to be, uh, I'll use this phrase, an adopted son. We look at life, and I don't know that any of us wake up uh, at least once a week or maybe uh, every other week and say, God, I really need you to, to keep me in line. And I'm best kept in line by pressure. I'm best kept in line by messing my world up. I'm best kept in line for my apple cart to be turned over. How many of you pray that prayer about every other week? I mean, you know, it's... Uh, well, why don't you pray that prayer? Because, well, it's really not necessary. It just comes my way, you know, just all the time. Well, then the reality is, wouldn't it be wonderful if we were so disciplined that we could stay on the absolute feverish passion trail for Jesus Christ and that our heart breaks when we think about people that are lost and don't know Jesus and our heart breaks when we hear testimonies like Gary and Kathy Gunn and Kathy, of course, being in the condition that she's in, that God, I, I'm just going to believe you're going to heal her. You see, I have a sneaking suspicion that, that we put up with a whole lot more stuff than what we ought to have to put up with. But here's what I found out. The devil is never threatened by us making a new initiative. Think about that now, making a new initiative. He's not afraid of that. You know why he's not afraid of it? He knows in a matter of a couple of weeks, our new initiative will just spaz out. Y'all with me? Well, why do you say that? Because I read the Bible. You know, take a look at the Testament there, and the seven churches, Revelation. You guys started out, great man, I'm, I love you, but you lost your first love. Now you're lukewarm, and some of you got a great testimony, and and it's all wonderful, but you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing? Well, what is it then? We in America, unlike the churches in many places around the world, where now, according to the stats that I read, every five minutes someone is giving their life or their life is being taken for their faith. Just simply not denying, choosing not to deny their faith in Jesus Christ. I would say that would mess your apple cart up. I would say that would be pressure, but what kind of a person could live under the fact of knowing, I'm going to serve God knowing my life could evaporate from me at any moment, nothing more than just because of my love for Jesus. Paul is talking to Timothy because he's saying, son, your life is about to be messed up by the powers of darkness. Your life is going to have an apple cart turned upside down all the time because of the challenge that you're going to face. There is an anointing on your life, he says to him. There is a divine call. What separates that from what we believe God has issued a call for, for us? 
Paul's writing in these books of 1 and 2 Timothy, and it's exceptional. He loves Timothy dearly. Timothy, I want you to not only succeed in ministry. I want people to know that where you are, they're going to get sound teaching. You're going to get love. They're going to get understanding. But I want you to succeed personally. I want your life. I want your life and your ministry to run corresponding paths. I want you to be excited. I, I know because of what I've gone through as an apostle that you're headed there. Timothy traveled with Paul. We know that. Jude, of course, Jesus' brother, makes some indication about what's going on in those last days. He said, hey, take a look at what happened in the Old Testament to Moses and so many others. And he said, that's just transferred over into the New Testament. Look at what they did to Jesus. Look at what they did to the many of the disciples. Look what happened to many of the apostles. Look what happened, of course, is Peter in the book there as it relates to Revelation and all that went on in that regard. And so here we are, our culture in which we live today, there's a major television production, I guess, I guess it's today, maybe it's tomorrow, I didn't keep up with it, another great awards where some of the most famous people in the world is going to parade down red carpets and go in and have one party until the late hours of the morning. And millions and millions and millions of dollars is going to be spent to do nothing more than have your name on a plaque as a winner and nothing will be done that will increase the effective work of the Holy Spirit in a nation today that is starving for spiritual direction. And the more that you and I Stand as it relates to say politically correct. I believe firmly you, you just will not be able to do the absolute will of God and try to be politically correct. Does that mean you ought to be rambunctious and run over everything and have a, a testimony of say, buddy, if it's politically correct, I'm not going to do it. I think if we can be politically correct, we ought to be, but not at the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Y'all going to help me preach tonight? So we know that Paul is writing from prison. How wonderful is that? From prison, his ministry is coming to a close. He served God through many hardships. He sees the great potential in Timothy. He realizes Timothy is, Timothy is going to face those difficulties there. But I want you to remain, I want you to remain your fervor as it relates in the faith. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 8. And the special gift of ministry you received when I laid hands on you and prayed, keep that ablaze. Keep your life on fire. God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts, but bold and loving and sensible. So don't be embarrassed to speak up for our master or for me. His prisoner, take your share of suffering for the message along with the rest of us we can only keep on going, get this, we can only keep on going after all by the power of God. That's our only hope. If you're complaining, I think there's two things that God gave me in this uh, message. You're either going to have heartache or you're going to have heartbreak. And the worst of the two is heartbreak. 
where your heart has been so broken. Heartache is that little persistent thing that constantly prods, that constantly aches, that constantly badgers you, that constantly is an issue that says, God, if you don't show up in this, God, I've got that worry. God, I've got that challenge. I call that heartache. But here's what I know what the Bible says. As long as there is a little heartache, that means that God's seal of approval is on your life. God will never use you to the degree where your life can be comfortable and perfectly snug and fit every waking moment of every day. It won't happen. If that's what you're praying for, you're going to miss God. So how many feel like you're in the will of God because you got a little heartache right now? Let me see your hand. There you go. Got a little something, a little something going on. Paul's goal is convince Timothy that if we serve God and are determined to remain faithful, we're going to prevail. Now, 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 Timothy already had a problem, and it is this. He had a racial issue, and it was his mother was a Jew, and his father was Greek. His mother was a Jew, his father was Greek. In that day, you were supposed to, to adhere to the faith and belief of your mother, of your mother, so you followed your mother. That's why Paul mentions uh, Eunice. That's why he mentions his mom and grandmother. And he says, okay, here's the faith. And Timothy, Timothy took to that. He lived that out. And because his father was Greek, he had both cultures and was a studious individual. He understood the Jewish culture, but he understood the Greek culture as well. Paul found that to be extremely interesting because here he has a young man that has his, has his foot in both worlds, has his heart divided to some degree as it relates to what the Greek culture is and what the Jewish culture was. But he chose, he chose early on by his own personal decision of the two, here's what I choose. I choose to believe in Jesus Christ as the son of the living God. That's my choice. I want to not only be a Jew, I want to be a Christian and a follower of Christ. Paul says to him, a 2 Timothy 2, 1, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. In other words, stand strong in the grace that comes from Jesus. For he already said, after all, we cannot make it except the power of God. I hear people say, I want to be a world changer, and they can't even pay their tithe. I want to be a world changer, and they've never won anybody to Jesus Christ. Do you think the enemy's threatened by our statement of being a world changer, and we cannot get the basics down? I'm telling you, if the church got the basics down of what we ought to do in the simple disciplines of our lives, a revival would break out like we have never seen, because you cannot practice the discipleship programs of Jesus Christ and pay attention to that without a moving of the power of the Holy Spirit. Y'all helping me, right? He's saying, here's the foundation of your faith. What is it? Hold to the truth of the revelation of salvation. Don't come off that. Now, here was one of the problems that, that they faced in that day. It was the, uh, the issue of circumcision. How many of you know what that is? That's it. Ouch. Paul said to Timothy, you have a Greek father, and you have a Jewish mother. 
But here's what I need you to do to quiet the naysayers. I need you to be circumcised. We know what my answer would be. I'll make that a matter of prayer. I mean, isn't that what we do? We don't really want to do it and we don't want to say no. We just say, well, I'll pray about it. But Timothy said, if that's what you think I need to do, then circumcise me. And he did. What made it worse is Titus. Titus was an individual that was of Jewish culture and raising. But he didn't make Titus get circumcised. Y'all still with me? Somebody said, I know he's going to get into biology and human anatomy. You never know what's going to come from here. But what about Titus? He's not being circumcised. Paul said, well, listen, one, it's none of your business, but two, let me tell you why. Don't you like it when somebody takes time to help us understand? He said, they're saying to Titus that his salvation is dependent upon circumcision. And Paul said, I'm not going to let that happen. His salvation is not based on whether he's circumcised or not. His salvation is based on his relationship and commitment to Jesus Christ. But in Timothy's case, Timothy, because of your condition, it's important that you go through the, the circumcision. But Titus, you don't have to because I'm not going to give them the privilege that we believe that you can get to Jesus and have a relationship with him just by being circumcised. So you do not have to do that. Paul is meandering through the, the, the alligator pond of telling them what the truth is. And in our culture today, I, I just want you to know one of the great challenges is that the truth is becoming misty and it's becoming a foggish in which you have some that are saying, boy, I don't believe the core values that I believe anymore. I dealt with an individual just, just today who said I'm leaning toward being an agnostic or an atheist because I, I knew the Christian principles. I understood those, and, and I live by that. But boy, in the culture today and society today, I'm leaning toward, I really need to come in and talk to you. I'm leaning toward being an atheist. And being an atheist, I'm thinking to myself, that is nothing but a lie from the powers of darkness. I laid my hands on him, and I said, I'm going to pray in Jesus' name for you right now, amen. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I'm here to tell you the Word of God is the foundation. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the enemy, if he cannot blind us, he'll make our vision fuzzy so we can't really see the truth. I declare you the truth is Jesus Christ is the the Son of God, and there's no way to heaven except through him by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. The truth that Jesus declared to Peter. Here it is in Matthew's Gospel 16, 18, and I tell you that you are Peter, and that on this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. What is he talking about? It is the truth 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Men may try to deny it. They may try to water it down. They may try to cover it. They may try to set it on fire. They may try to tear it up. They may try to bury it. But I'm telling you, this truth came out of the ground one time, and that was good enough, and he ain't going back in the ground anymore. He is at the right hand of the Heavenly Father making intercession for you and me tonight. And he's saying, come on, church, fire it up one more time, and let me show you what I desire to do in and through to you. He must have got his nap this afternoon. All life is built on something. All your life is built on something. And here it is in Matthew 7, 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Because why? It had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And when the rain came down, and it does and will, the streams rose, the wind blew, and being against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We have too many houses falling and crashing today. Too many he said that men build their lives upon one or two of the two foundations, the rock or the sand, and you cannot compromise the two. You're either on the rock or you own the sand. Jesus said the storm will come and test the foundation Paul knew the kind of torment that Timothy would face. Therefore, he says, I want you to hold on to the grace you have in Christ. It will sustain you, and it is an absolute. So make up your mind to stand on the foundation of the truth. How do I do that? He answers him. He says, learn to listen to your spiritual leader. Listen to me, Timothy. Endure like a good soldier and take it on the chin. If somebody slaps you around, arrests you falsely, take it on the chin. Don't get sidetracked with temporal things or worldliness. Don't do like Demas. Stand in your faith. Don't be pulled aside by losing track of your focus. Listen, friend, there's nothing wrong with getting engaged in a whole lot of good stuff. But if that whole lot of good stuff is not the primary focus that God has for your life, go through the good stuff and get to the real stuff of what God really has called you to do. Be sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked with temporal things or worldliness and stay disciplined spiritually. Just stay disciplined. How do you do that? Crack out the devotions. Live for God. Understand that. Here's something else. Your trials will not last forever. Turn to your neighbor and just say that. Your trials will not last forever. Heartache. Heartache is like the thorn that the one disciple had in his side. 
What was his name? Charlie? Oh, was it Paul? How many say it was Paul? I vote Paul. You know what he asked? Take it away from me. You say, I would have never done that. You'd be popping Tylenol, going and coming. Take it away until God explain there's a reason why you have that pain, that, that heartache. Now let me tell you, gentlemen, your pain is not your wife. Do I have any female amens out there? Amen. Amen. And ladies, your pain is not your your husband. And here's a good southern yard expression. Y'all's pain is the devil who's from the pit. If you pick at one another, you'll miss him. Put your laser on him. Amen? Amen. Turn to your wife, sir, and say, did you hear what he said? Now get off my back. Don't you do that. (laughs) I'm done meddling now. Let me move on with the preaching. Therefore, I endure what? Everything. I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Who's the elect? Name is Jesus. That they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. You see, we've forgotten that that I'm calling it for this message, heartache is a part of your developmental process. And when he explained to Paul, Paul, if you didn't have this, you're so smart, you're so blessed, you're so brilliant, you're so agile, you are so witty, that if there wasn't something that kept you anchored, you could do phenomenal things on your own just because of your natural trained ability. And you would have no need to remember me at all. You would say, well, I would think falling off a donkey and being blind and then receiving the sight back would be enough to make a man stay devoted to Jesus forever. But that's not true. That's why Jesus said, you're forgetful. You're careless. That's why I want you to have communion. Have communion as often as you do communion. You remember me and what I did because you'll get blessed and you'll get busy and you'll get comfortable. You will forget what kind of a sacrifice it took for you to be able to be redeemed. So when you do it, do it in remembrance of what I did for you. And so this thorn, this this what I call the heartache, 
So whatever it is for you, and it could be there for some of you, it may be something that is as consistent, has been that way for 10 years, and, and uh, maybe that way for 10 or 20 more years. For some of you, you say, boy, I have heartache, and I have it in seasons. I have, I, matter of fact, I have several categories of heartaches. I have a little heartache here, a little heartburn there, but listen to me, friend. I'm using the term heartache because that is something that is continual. Heartbreak. Heartbreak says, I failed. I missed it. I didn't stand. Now my heart is broken. You don't want that. You don't want a friend of yours to slip into eternity and knowing that you had more times than not to be able to talk to them about Jesus. And they slipped into eternity and you walk by their casket and your heart breaks because you did not share with them the gospel of Christ. Paul says, for the sake of the gospel, for others to be able to know Christ, he declared to Timothy, though I'm a prisoner in chains, and though he is held and marked, Paul says, I am marked as an evildoer, and I've never done anything to anyone on purpose since my redemption. God's word, he says to Timothy, is not locked up, though I'm in chains, and I cannot move because of the restraint, but God's word that I have spoken that is in me is not locked up, and it is not in chains. Hallelujah. He declares they might impair and, and make the messenger in chains and bondage, but they cannot imprison the message, nor can they imprison the truth of the message. His name is Jesus Christ. He's already paid all the dues, all the fines, all the penalties, and now he's at the right hand of the Heavenly Father making an intercession for me. They will never chain him up again. He is liberated, and as a result of that, I can endure because here's what I know. One day, I'm going to be liberated just like my Savior is. That's the third point. I'm not there yet. Paul said, I endure because I choose not to become encouraged or discouraged. I choose not to accept defeat. I choose not to look at the heartache that I have and blame God and complain and murmur about that. I will not allow the enemy any victory. I'm not giving him any room. I will not accept the circumstances that the enemy does in play with my mind and play with my emotions. And if, listen, I, I, got, I got half of what I should have and everybody else got everything that they needed, I will not allow that kind of spirit to get in me. I will guard my heart. James 1 verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who loved him after he has stood the test. Turn to your neighbor and say, stand the test. Can you do that? Stand the test. Stay strong. Galatians 6, 9, let us be not become weary in doing good, for as a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Listen carefully, friend. You, you will never get to the place that justifiably you've said, well, I have served my time. I've served my time and now 
and now I deserve just to back off. You, you, let me use yard talk. You ain't going to find that in here. When I've gone the last mile of the way, you're going to go the last mile of the way. The people that you admire most are the ones who did not give up back up until they went up. Amen? You admire the ones who stood the test of time, who stood in the gap when others would not. You admire the people who, when they had a testimony in a life and they were an example and a leader in the church 10 years ago, you admire that person that though they may not have a position now, they still stand strong and show the beauty of leadership. Leadership and position does not give them the place of influence. It is the touch of God in their life. Amen. All of us have a torch that we have to bear, and it is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul shared with Timothy that God's Word would continue to tear down all the strongholds of the enemy and ultimately destroy his plan of destruction. Take courage in your sufferings, he says. Realize that each challenge you face has a purpose and know that Satan may abuse, but he cannot destroy. And remember this, God does not overlook his own. Here's a trustworthy saying, Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, 11. If we died with him, we will also live with him. I'm asking you to move the meter in your spiritual heart. I'm asking you to stop complaining. I'm asking you to stop murmuring. I'm asking you to stop letting the enemy browbeat you. I'm asking you to stop let the, letting the devil discourage you. I'm asking you to, to quit complaining because you got, a little, you got a little heartache. Because every five minutes somewhere on this planet, someone is having their head cut off, being strangled, set on fire, being stabbed to death, shot to death, because they simply will not deny their faith. So God, I'll take a little bit of heartache. I'll give an interpretation of that right after the message, okay? In the middle of the message, you're going to do the preaching. 2 Timothy 2.12, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. But if we disown him, he will also disown us. You'd say, I'd never disown him. Had you rather someone just sit idly by and let their love just burn out for you and one day, one year at a time until there's none left? Or had you rather them just say to you, I'm not in love with you anymore, period. 
I dare say that you'd say, if that's how you feel, say it. But don't linger me along and let me just die one degree at a time. Are you with me? Disowning God is not most of the time of, I disown him. When you become lukewarm, you don't get that way overnight. Lukewarm is, I get cold by degrees. The heat and the passion and the focus, the one degree after another until finally I'm just lukewarm. And often, often as we study history and we look, that happened over and over again. The thrust that Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, I'm going to leave soon. And I need you to teach and to preach with a fire. Do you know what ultimately happened to Timothy? Ultimately, Timothy was stoned to death, rocked, because he would not and you will not find one place in biblical history of Scripture where Timothy let off one moment. He stood strong in his faith and his belief and taught over and over and over again the truth of the gospel just as he was commanded to do so by his mentor, Paul. And that's what happened to him and the naysayers could not take the truth, and they, they stoned him. And you don't, you got to research to find that very carefully. And I asked myself, God, as a pastor of a pretty significant church, as a pastor of a pretty significant church, are we staying on target that our primary goal is to reach lost people? And it really is twofold, threefold. It's to keep our focus that lost souls matter to Jesus. And that once a lost soul is found, it's get them discipled. But here's the, other, the third leg. It's keep the church challenged to be passionate about the first two. Amen. Tell the church, that's you, that's me. We don't have an opportunity to hit the rest area. You say, you're going to kill us. Well, guess what? You're going to die sooner or later. You might as well die on fire. Somebody say amen. You did, you said, you're just going to kill us. No, I'm not. God's the one who's going to let your life burn out. At his time, he's going to call you home. If we suffer, here's what he says. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. I want to rule and reign with Jesus Christ. I want uh, the word reign is not just talking about a future and about a present. He's talking about, hey, the benefits are I'm going to reign with him here and now while I am on this earth. Then I'm going to reign with him in the millennial reign. And then I'm going to live with him for eons and eons and eons after the tribulations are over for all of eternity. I intend to rule and reign with him. Somebody say amen. You see, reigning means that there are benefits with Christ. It means all the benefits that he has, they belong to me. All the blessing that he has, they belong to me. All the parts of his rule, it belongs to me. I possess his chair, his heritage. I possess his power, his protection, and his presence. 
So even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You guide me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's my promise of ruling and reigning with him. Revelation 1, 6, and he has made us to be kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory, power forever and ever. Amen. Rule and reign with him. Would you take a look in your own heart and would you say, Jesus, am I being drawn by the culture or am I living my life counterculture? I want to live my life in a way that the only thing that matters is to hear you say, well done. And as we learn this morning out of the message, if you want more time, give God more time. If you want more creative ability, give God some of your creative ability. If you want more blessing, begin to bless others to the right and to the left. I don't know anybody to bless, then you must be blind. I could find a hundred people that need to be blessed before I left this church tonight if we just got up and fellowshiped around just by going from person to person and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak. You know the Holy Spirit can speak to you and say that person right there needs a blessing. How do you know that? Because the Holy Spirit can speak to you. You know why often we don't do that? I'm just, this, here it is, is we don't want to make the sacrifice to do what it needs to be done to give them the blessing. And it may be nothing more. I don't mean this adversely, that you notice them a little bit or that you compliment them or that you say, wow, Missionary Belvin, we're with you, buddy. When you get a stomach virus, we're with you. When nobody's listening to your message, we're praying for you. You're not there by yourself. We're with you. Do you know what that means to a missionary who's uprooted his family? It's saying and trusting God. It's saying over here to believe God. Lord, what is it? Paul says, I want you, Timothy, to understand. Revelation eleven fifteen. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The king of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of our, or his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever and ever. Timothy stood true to his call from God. Let's do that. Let's stand strong. Don't talk more about politics. I'm meddling, but I'm wrapping up. Don't talk more about politics. Don't talk more about whatever other party is there than you are Jesus. Don't talk more about sin and how bad it's getting more than you talk about how good it is with Jesus. Amen. Don't talk more about how you've been knifed in the back. Anybody been knifed in the back lately? 
If I'm breathing, I get knifed. I have my own knife. I don't know where it's at. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? It's good being in the house of the Lord. Let's stand give the Lord a clap offering. Would you do that? Let's pause. If you would heed to the word of the Lord, if you are not led astray, if you do not become discouraged, if you are willing to sacrifice, if you pay attention, the Spirit of the living God will anoint you and direct you and will take away the fear and the anxiety and will seal once and for all that which you have been concerned about. The answer is not found in retribution. The answer is found in redemption. Believe and forgive and exalt and watch what your heavenly Father will do through you. God, we receive that message, we receive your word, and we thank you because you do not fail. You correspond with us by the power of Jesus. So you may be in this room tonight, you can look this way now. You might be in this room tonight and you think, God, that was my message. You're in this room right here, right now. Or maybe you're listening and watching live through our Facebook or through the World Wide Web, our website. But Jesus has something for you that he has ordained for this very moment that will take your attention and your obedience to come to pass. Here's where it's at. If God's speaking to your heart and you want, you just want God to give you the strength and the courage and a little help to nudge you forward, that's God's word to you right now. If you have sin in your heart, I mean you've been rebellious, You've been rude. You have been stubborn. And you're trying to, trying to manage a lollipop, lollipop relationship with Jesus. Well, he's not pleased with that. He wants to forgive you so you can enjoy the full load of his nourishment for your life through forgiveness. If you need healing in your body, you come now. The Holy Spirit is stirring and will heal you as we sing. Whatever God says, you do it right now. Would you do that?